Gilkinson. It's your introduction to Activist Radio, where we offer some history we're pretty sure you didn't learn in high school. We have news you haven't seen on TV, and we have music to help you join the resistance. Activist Radio can be heard Thursdays, 8 to 9 a.m. on KBOO, and that's 90.7 FM in Portland, Oregon. Thursdays, 11 to 12 noon on WRFA, that's 107.9 FM in Jamestown, New York, Thursdays 5 to 6 p.m. on WVKR 91.3 FM at Vassar College in Poughkeepsie, New York, Thursdays 7 to 8 p.m. on WBDY, that's at 99.5 FM at the Bundy in Binghamton, New York, Sundays 1.30 to 2.30 p.m. on WESU, that's 88.1 FM at Wesleyan University in Middletown, Connecticut, Sundays 4 to 5 p.m. on WIOF, there at 104.1 FM in Woodstock, New York, Sundays 5 to 6 p.m. from the Progressive Radio Network. You can tune them in at prn.live. And finally, Mondays 11 to 12 noon on WCAA, and they're at 107.3 FM in Albany, New York. Past programs are available as a podcast, of course. Search on Activist Radio. You can go to our website, which is classwars.org, and listen to any of our last 10 programs right there. So that's probably the simplest way to get a a feeling for what Activist Radio is doing. Our guest today is Rahul Kumar. He's a very young high school activist, founder of Poughkeepsie for Palestine. And we talk about how his younger generation is organizing these rallies and public speakouts against the genocide in Gaza and the warmongering of our political elites. Which brings me the views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, not its board of directors, not its constituents, just the views of me today, Fred, and I'm bringing you up to date on America's hidden class wars. One day. 
Well, that's The People's Day by Otis Gibbs. It's the introduction to the very first part of Activist Radio. We call it history we didn't learn in high school. Uh, it's such an important part of Activist Radio because we look at social struggle, something just often left out, left out of our commercial media. Uh, if you'd go by our media, you wouldn't think social struggle was ever successful at all. So here we give you some examples of success and failures of social struggle in the, these United States. Well, we're going to go back in history now to February 15th, 2003. The world said no to war in the largest single day of protests in history. Millions of people in six continents demonstrated against the U.S. and the U.K. plans to invade Iraq. Reported totals including one to two million in London, and Rome, 1.3 million in Barcelona, Spain, a city of only 1.5 million, 500,000 each in Berlin, Paris, Madrid, and New York. Smaller demonstrations were held in over 600 cities and towns across the U.S., including tens of thousands in several cities and 150,000 the following day in San Francisco. Total participation was estimated at 25 million in more than a hundred countries. It was an amazing show of force by the people of the world. And for the first time in decades, the UN Security Council resisted pressures from the US to condone an illegal invasion. Even small countries stood their ground. Angola, Cameroon, Chile, Guinea, Mexico, Pakistan, they refused to sign onto the war, despite the fact that the U.S. pulled out all the stops, including a threat to Chile to end trade talks and to Cameroon to cut off all U.S. aid. The day after the massive protests, no country gave any credence to the U.S. war lies about weapons of mass destruction. French Foreign Minister Dominique de Villepine declared to the world that, quote, the United Nations must remain an instrument of peace and not a tool for war. The massive ovation he got for his statement quickly engulfed the entire UN meeting hall, spreading from almost all the council staff to diplomats and foreign ministers. And the Security Council stood its ground and condemned the war crime being planned by the U.S. and the U.K. The meeting started with a declaration by Bishop Tutu, quote, We are here today on behalf of those people marching in 665 cities all around the world. And we are here to tell you that these people marching in all these cities around the world, we claim the United Nations as our own. We claim it in the name of our global mobilization for peace. But in fact, the U.S. did go on to invade and occupy Iraq, using the thoroughly discredited lies that few in the government even believed. Our media went right along with this war crime, printing sensational charges against Iraq that were later completely refuted 
shamefully, the New York Times dished up its share of Pentagon propaganda, and then TV news programs glorified in the massive bombing of Baghdad. The anti-war movement, however, was mortally wounded. The world rose up against U.S. imperialism, but the empire paid no attention. It had the troops and the missiles ready to go, to hell with what other world leaders might be thinking. And what could the peace movement do? Soon the Democrats swept in like vultures, using peace as a campaign slogan for the next few elections. It was the last nail in the anti-war coffin. But this time around, the energy is coming from the bottom up. The issues are being debated in various town councils, where petitions for a ceasefire in Gaza are being put forward by local activists. There are also marches in the streets, buildings seized, bridges shut down. There is nothing quite like closing Grand Central Station with a thousand activists simply refusing to move. Elected leaders are also being exposed for the frauds that they really are. Pat Ryan, our local House representative, is well funded by the Israel lobby and, of course, doesn't want to talk about a ceasefire. Will the impending genocide of two million Palestinians finally reestablish the peace movement? And can we really have peace when our country spends half its wealth on making weapons and establishing new military bases around the world. It's the empire, stupid. The elites of both parties think it's okay to kill tens of thousands of children for geopolitical advantage. They're willing to put up with a racist and murderous regime in Israel as long as it's our regime. Change that must come is the dissolution of both major parties and the end of imperial ambitions to rule the world. And the grassroots organizing has just begun. I just want to uh, let you know that um, I have a little recording from the city of Newburgh uh, first debating the ceasefire and then having the citizens of Newburgh comment on that. And let's, let's go to Newburgh. I stand before you in strong support of the ceasefire resolution. I just want to talk about the ceasefire resolution. Ceasefire resolution. Ceasefire. Ceasefire. Please join the call for the ceasefire in Gaza. This resolution does matter to us and does affect us. I am a Palestinian, a very proud Palestinian. I'm not from there, but I've, I feel their pain. Nothing separates any of us here tonight from the people in Gaza. In the last 100 days, 25,000 innocent Palestinians have been killed by indiscriminate Israeli carpet bombing. That's almost the population of the city of Newburgh. Think about that for a second. New York State has purchased over 267 million in Israeli war bonds. That is our state tax dollars directly funding Israel and what they're doing. I didn't agree to sign a blank check to another country. I don't know about you. Save our taxes, which is going there. Save it for here in our communities. We have so many social ills here to take care of. Our tax money does not need to be going into military weapons and mass destruction. We're about to start going down this road again with another war in the Middle East in 2024 with a Democratic president and a congressman who's a veteran who should know better. And we need to say we are changing and we are doing better and we are starting that now. 
you all sitting in your chairs have the ability to be on the leading edge of sea change in this country. Speak for us. We need you. We need pressure all the way from here up. And you guys are in the position to not only speak up, but vote on something that's humane. Will you be on the right side of history? Maybe we can right some wrongs that were committed. And I feel Newburgh, a small city, could have a very large voice. As a farmer, I truly believe in the power and hope of planting seeds. And I hope it will germinate in your hearts and minds to vote yes on this revolution. The whole goal is to get prisoners exchanged. It's only happened during a ceasefire. So let's aim for a ceasefire. Please, you guys, please do care. Just say ceasefire. It doesn't hurt anybody. Thank you. To speak is often a vocation of agony, but we must speak. We must speak with all the humility that is appropriate to our limited vision, but we must speak. We have been asked how this affects us locals in the city of Newburgh. Our federal tax dollars are funding a war and that could be used for more housing. It could be used to fix our crumbling infrastructure, to maintain and expand our green spaces and to stop the gun violence that plagues our community. 36 were for and five were against. That's not no, that's not no hard decision to make. A majority of our residents who voted for us, that's, this is what they want, a ceasefire. Everything that's going on over there, I, I would just like to see it stop for the people. And so for that reason, I will be voting yes. Councilmember Martinez? Aye. Councilmember McLemore? Aye. Quite amazing, huh? The uh, recording of the debate in Newburgh, New York, a small town, small small city on the Hudson, and uh, the recording goes to uh, follow the various council members as they eventually voted, uh, I believe, uh, six to two against uh, against the war, the Israeli war the genocide in Gaza, and for an immediate ceasefire. We're going to go to a song now. This is Jim Page. We've played some of his songs in the last two weeks. This one is from his album Collateral Damage, and the song is My American Name. Well, they could hardly wait to get the triggers loaded When the airplanes hitting the towers exploded You should have seen them on the big TV It was the first great war of the 21st century The flames are still burning, they already had their man He said he was hiding in the mountains of Afghanistan we asked to see the evidence they said they couldn't show and This is war, they said, and that's all you need to know
America, you're scaring me and making me ashamed. You're going out for blood, and I can't let you do it. Not in my American name. You want to talk about the body count? Well, let's run it up the mass. Almost 4,000 people died in that New York City blast. And there's 5,000 people every month that you kill. Strangling Iraq for a dirty dollar bill. And you want to talk about brutality? All right, let's get it out. Depleted uranium now, what's that all about? Innocent victims, can you even see their tears? Irradiated homelands for four billion years. And you want to talk about the terrorists and what makes them run? Well, you taught them everything they know. You even gave them their guns. Every killer with a grudge is just a tool to be used. And then you forget about them until they make the news. America, you're scaring me, you're making me ashamed. You're going up a blood and I can't let you do it. Not in my American name. justice that you claim yeah but the numbers that we're talking about are a whole different game millions of people have no safe place to hide that's not justice my friend that's genocide so I'm gonna have my say and I'll say it loud and clear in every crowd in every corner every place I can find an ear and you can try to shut me up, but no matter what you do, I got a right to speak, and I'm American too. America, you're scaring me, you're making me ashamed. You're going up a blood, and I can't let you do it. Not in my American name. America, you're scaring me and making me ashamed. You're going out for blood, and I just can't let you do it. Not in my American name. Not in my American name. They lied. They lied. They took us for a ride Tried burying the truth Where it very nearly died They lied, they lied But no matter what they tried hide Sing and shout, the truth wins out Everybody knows they lied I ain't telling you nothing you don't already know But the government's been lying Well, that's They Lied by Jay Mankita It's the lead into the next part of Activist Radio It's got its own website Fantasylandmedia.org we created it so stories over the last uh, decade or so 
will be keyword searchable. So you can see uh, how important words get distorted, especially before wartime, as we're seeing now with the genocide in Gaza and the increased activism of the U.S. military in the Middle East. We're getting the range of all sorts of distortions and lies uh, from our own media. So we think it's an in-depth look at the failings of our corporate controlled media, where all the news is made by the people in charge. That includes the Pentagon, of course, the corporations, and your very own government. Our first story is from The Guardian. A food shipment for 1.1 million Palestinians is stuck at an Israeli port due to recent restrictions from Israeli authorities, says the UN Agency for Palestinian Refugees, UNRWA, as an estimated 25% of families in Gaza face catastrophic hunger. The Associated Press reported that UNRWA's director, Philip Lazzarini, said on Friday that a convoy of food donated by Turkey has been sitting for weeks in an Israeli port city of Ashrad. The agency said that the Israeli contractor they work with received a call from Israeli custom authorities ordering them not to process any UNRWA goods. Well, last week the New York Times covered a story about food aid being stopped in northern Gaza. Nothing so far about the millions starving people huddled at the southern border with no place to go and no food to eat. All the news that the Israeli lobby sees fit to print. The second story is from Common Dreams. The Minneapolis City Council vote on Thursday to override Mayor Jacob Fry's veto of what advocates say is the strongest ceasefire resolutions in the country. The measure, which passed 9-3 on January 25th with one abstention, calls for a ceasefire in Gaza, an end to U.S. military aid for Israel, and the release of the hostages taken by Hamas on October 7th as well as the release of thousands of Palestinian prisoners held indefinitely in Israel. The motion to override the veto also passed by nine votes. With this override, Minneapolis becomes the largest U.S. city to call for a ceasefire, joining at least 60 other localities including San Francisco, Oakland, Atlanta, Seattle, Detroit, Dearborn, Michigan, Albany, New York, Akron, Ohio, Providence, Rhode Island, Chicago became the largest U.S. city to pass a ceasefire resolution on January 31st. Well, the New York Times seems really blind to this growing effort to have local governments pass ceasefire resolutions. They just aren't printing this story. Um, and again, we look at their uh, improved performance uh, in reporting about Gaza, and yet so many stories like this are just left out. I think it's purposeful. Our last story is from Common Dreams. Around a hundred Jewish American and allied activists were arrested in New York City Wednesday after they blocked President Joe Biden's motorcade route 
to protest U.S. complicity in Israel's genocidal war against the Palestinian people and to demand an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. The group Jewish Voice for Peace, JVP, led the Upper East Side demonstration, during which activists sat down in the intersection of 5th Avenue and 82nd Street, where the president was attending a nearby fundraiser. Quote, as Jewish New Yorkers, we want to make crystal clear that President Biden is not welcome in our city while he continues to fund and arm the Israeli government's genocide of Palestinians in Gaza. And this is JVP's spokesperson, Jay Sapper. Well, it's amazing that the New York Times didn't cover this story. How often does a presidential motorcade get blocked? Isn't that newsworthy? Or how about the story that the blockers were none other than Jewish Voice for Peace activists? Not reporting news like this is indicative of just how our major media is still under the sway of the pro-genocide lobby. That is it, certainly the Israeli lobby. Well, we have a song coming up here. Uh, this is Jim Page again, the same album, Collateral Damage, and the song is Long Corner Turning. Let's play that. We used to have elections that we don't bother anymore. I was just backroom dirty deals, buying cloak and dagger doors. Oil, money, family, fortune, slapping each other on the back. Putting people's lives in their pockets and watching while the money stacks. Goodbye, America, I'll say I knew you when. It was a long corner turning, gonna be a long corner turning back again. We used to have our liberties way back in the day. But it was for our own good that they took them away. Now it's homeland security following you around old George cut that cherry tree and I guess it finally hit the ground cause there's a new George now and he's got an axe of his own and he's grinding it real sharp and he's cutting it to the bone fillet of America and he'll feed it to the dogs all for a bunch of good old boys riding high on the hog and goodbye America I'll say I knew you when it was a long corner turning, gonna be a long corner turning back again. I'm getting used to surveillance and I'm getting used to the cops. I'm getting used to law and order when I don't know when to stop. I'm getting used to soldiers, I can see them in my sleep. I'm getting used to everything and that gives me the creeps. They say that once we were a beacon, we shone like a star. 200 years later, well, and here we are. Looking out at the world through bulletproof glass. Following a gunslinger preppy with his head up his ass. Goodbye America, I'll say I knew you when. It was a long corner turning, gonna be a long corner turning back again. 
to think we were so superior we could tell God what to do. We thought we'd last forever, yeah, and we acted like it too. Way up in this house, a car is just waiting for a breeze. And I think I hear the wind coming way up in the trees. So I got my compass, and I got my flint rock spark. Nighttime is a coming on, but I ain't afraid of the dark. I got my eye on the future, and it's all green and clover. So if we make it through this one, well, I'll meet you when it's over. Goodbye, America, I'll say I knew you when. It was a long corner turning, gonna be a long corner. Turning back again. Goodbye, America, I'll say I knew you when. It was a long corner turning, gonna be a long corner. Turning back again. Alright, we have our guest coming up. That's uh, Rahul Kumar. He's a high school activist. He's founder of uh, the Poughkeepsie for Palestine activist group. Um, he is uh, 14 years old. Quite an amazing age for this much organizing. And I was uh, privileged to give my testimony to the Poughkeepsie uh, Town Council uh, along with Rahul, uh, we spoke for a ceasefire, as did about 20 uh, others of us, asking the uh, Poughkeepsie City Council to sign on to a, a ceasefire and an end to the genocide. And I was proud to be part of that group and proud to be part of Rahul's group as well. So uh, let's go to that interview. The uh, founder of the Poughkeepsie for Palestine, an organizer of rallies and marches against genocide. All right. Rahul Kumar, thank you so much for being on Activist Radio today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Um, were you interested in politics uh, before, well, the plight of the Palestinians, uh, you know, you know, grabbed your attention. Have you always been in, interested in politics, or, or was it really the plight of the Palestinians that first turned you into an activist? Um, I definitely have always been very interested in politics. Um, uh -huh. Like when I was, I've, I've done like student government at like um, elementary at the middle school level. Um, I've been into current um, current relations to like international relations, current events. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, I think probably what um kind of the plight of the Palestinians definitely made me an activist and um definitely elevated my activism and has definitely um allowed me to get this platform of Kizzy for Palestine. But I would say mm -hmm. the birth of my um activism and my political foundation would be the twenty sixteen election of Donald Trump, I would say. I see, okay. All right. Yeah, they they come in catastrophe. Although so many people yeah. are 
having to choose between somebody who's sort of uh, paying for a genocide and then somebody else who's yeah. a, a terrible fascist. It's, <laughs> it's sort of a system that's, uh, that's, who has that's broken. Who assisted the genocide you know? before. Yep, yep. Yeah. So uh, uh, Greta Thunberg, really about reading about her early activism, she just sat out that outside the... Uh, what the Swedish uh, uh, legislature for for weeks, maybe even a couple yeah. of months. I mean, she was just so single-minded uh, that she, nothing was going to stop her. And uh, she is sort of a role model for me. I mean, I think oh, if she can do it, you know, people can really do it. Has she been a role model, a, a, really a younger person, the, uh, that's willing to just sacrifice everything and uh, get um, focus amazing attention on the climate crisis. Has she been a role model for you? Absolutely. Um, Greta Thunberg, um, as someone at a young age who had brought such a major change in the world, I think if you go to every country and I think I can almost guarantee if you go to every country and if you go to and if you go into schools and you ask someone who's Greta Thunberg and they'll definitely be able to tell you um, or what is or <laughs> that's, that's, yeah I think that's so true you know yeah my grandchildren and, know who Greta Thunberg is. and as a matter of fact one of them gave me a button a button a Greta button a little round thing but uh yeah, no, she is a role model for many of us. Yeah, um, and to see a young person make a global impact with her speech at the UN in 2019 and traveling um, by sea because she doesn't um, agree with the with how flight um, and commercial flights affect climate change, um, mm -hmm. and how she continued to boycott things that went against her um, her cause and the things that she believed in. I really respect that, and that's honestly, she's a huge role model for me. As Pekinsky for Palestine is a youth activist organization, so she is someone that I'm very inspired by, and I hope to have mm. as big of an impact, hopefully, one day as well. Mm. Yeah. When did you start thinking about, well, forming your own group in Poughkeepsie, New York? Um, the, the somebody suggest that or how did you get that idea in your mind that maybe Poughkeepsie is ready for its own uh, group on Palestinian rights? Yeah. Um, well, so just to break it down, um, October 7th, I remember waking up and I remember hearing about the Hamas attacks and I was wow. like, this is terrible for the Israeli and the Jewish people. And then I was, so I more I was mourning for them. And then I also thought this will also be terrible for the Palestinian people as almost sure. a guaranteed bombardment will occur. So I thought that mm. although um, the Israeli people have been suffering and have had such a time and had, um, and the October 7th attacks are disgusting, the Palestinian people and the Israeli, the Israeli government has been since 1948 genociding the Palestinian people. And mm. I think in the U in the U.S., the struggles of the Palestinians, specifically in upstate New York as well, 
we really didn't hear that much about it. We only really heard the Israeli and the Israeli government's perspective. Sure. And I remember yeah. in my school, we would be having conversations about it, and many people didn't know about the topic, and I was just feeling, I felt alienated. I felt, how can people not know about a catastrophe? And as a Muslim person, mm. I was thinking about how can people not, how can people not know about an attempt to take people like me off the earth. Mm. And that really, I remember reading about New Pulse for Palestine, I believe, in the vast history and justice for Palestine. And I was like, well, these people are a few years older than me, and they're really making a difference. They're protesting, they're putting pressure on their college, on their town. That's something I want to do. So I, mm. the idea took a while, but to be completely honest, I built the site in just one night, the Google site in one night. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. and um, That's amazing. I, it must yeah, have been a full night. An exciting yeah, night. Yeah, must have been. An exciting yeah. night. And I remember just, it was a night I didn't have much homework, um, to be completely honest. And I just remember thinking, like, wow, um, I can really make a difference just as a 14-year-old. Mm -hmm. So I built the mm -hmm. site, and... It just began progressing from there. I told people about Pakistan for Palestine. I said, this is an organization I want everyone, I want, I made to educate people my own age, high schoolers, middle schoolers, elementary schoolers. Oh, really? Huh? About huh? the ongoing genocide in Palestine. Because many, I think many adults had access to the information, even though that was also hard to access with um, many, many of the Western media showing the Israeli perspective. But many children did not have access to that information. And sure. I wanted it to be equal, and I wanted I wanted people in my school to understand what the Palestinian people were going through. If, and also on a more selfish note, um, I had mental, I had a lot of mental difficulties with um, understanding the Palestinian genocide. Um, as Greta Thunberg, I believe, also had a lot of mental issues when she first found out about climate change. And although I did know about the issue pretty extensively before, um, as mm. in my family, um, many people were educated on it, from my grandparents to my parents. As Muslims, um, we knew a lot about it. I see. I but see, right. Huh. I, I was like, I really want people to know about this, and I, I want people to understand that I'm not crazy and that the Palestinian people are crazy, that the Palestinian people are suffering. Mm -hmm. So were were adults encouraging to you? Like, did you have teachers who thought this was a great idea, or um, how did adults treat you? Because sometimes, um, I, well, I've worked in the school district, so I know, you know, fourteen-year-olds often are not completely listened to. Were adults encouraging you, or they were telling you don't go too fast, or you're too young, or? Um, how how were adults uh, when you first came up with this idea? How how did they respond? Um, there are always going to be people, um, regardless of age, who try to hold you down because they don't agree with what you um, are doing. And so sometimes, especially with a divisive issue like this, right? Um, mm -hmm. Which I personally don't think it's that divisive. I think being able to spot genocide is relatively easy, but yeah. a lot of people have different ties and emotional connections to the issue. Um, so that's true. Um, 
that's definitely accurate. But there are always going to be people who will hold you down. There's always people who will disagree with you. And this can be hard as you have adults who are in power who support the Israeli regime and the occupation of Palestine. But the adults that mattered the most in my life, like my parents, my closest teachers, mm -hmm. um, my siblings, and my friends at Vassar, they were very supportive of me. And they were oh, all really? very encouraging to me. My parents have been, I'm very grateful, my parents have been incredibly supportive driving me to these events, driving me to these protests and events. So it definitely wouldn't be possible without them. And my parents, sure. I think, something that I'm very happy to say is that it's just nice also to know that your parents are proud of you for something that you're passionate about. And my parents yes. have been really, have been really, have showed that they've been proud of me and that I think my community and my circle has really showed that they're proud of me as well. Um, which uh -huh. is a great feeling. So, yeah, I would say the adults, did... many adults have been supportive. Sorry for cutting you off. No, no problem. Um, how did did you learn the basics, like uh, how to call a meeting or organize a march and get a speaker's platform, check this out, check that out, uh, where can you march? There's so many details, and I don't know how you... <laughs> did you read up on how to organize or does this just come naturally to you? Um, well, it's a mix of both, I would say. My school has very much of a, we have a young activist club. Um, we've had I protests see. for Black Lives Matter, um, trans rights, gun violence. So, um, mm. and I'm thankful that my teachers have, um, some of my teachers, not all of them, but of course, but some of my teachers have been really supportive and have encouraged me and taught me these things on how to apply critical thinking and activist skills into um, my endeavors, such as GSC for Palestine. So I did a lot of research um, and studies on school strike for climate, um, Black Lives Matter, but also other organizations fighting for Palestinian rights, such as um, Student Justice for Palestine across the nation, um, Palestinian youth movement, um, and intellectuals and public personalities such as Edward Said, Amani Al Kateba. Mm -hmm. um, so I learned these pro. I also learned by experience as well. I kind of had like a vague idea of what would happen, and I'm really grateful mm -hmm. for groups such as um, Mid Hudson Valley um, Democratic Socialists of America. Um, sure. Vassar Student Justice for Palestine, Jewish Voices for Peace, Hudson Valley, um, the Bard Student Justice for Palestine, the Vassar Muslim Students Association. They all kind of taught me what to do. And while we collaborated, but they still taught me um, and gave me many lessons. So, yeah, uh -huh. it really helped me with, my, with being able to organize what to do at protests, um, how to account for safety, um, how to plan something overall. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a real complex you know, thing to do a successful one, and your, uh, you and your group uh, brought well, over a hundred people out marching in Poughkeepsie. I mean, it was. Were you surprised at how successful the thing was? <laughs> you had some great speakers, a Palestinian yeah. filmmaker. You had, I remember. Um, you, you, it was just a huge success, and that that really shock you, or did you maybe maybe you were hoping for that? Um, to be completely honest, I could never see Poughkeepsie for Palestine. 
it, I would it never was in my wildest dreams that Pakistan for Palestine or an organization that I would even run that would be fighting wow. for the rights of the Palestinian people after seeing mm. so much pushback because I've learned about this issue and I've been passionate about this issue since I was in about fourth or third grade, I believe, actually, um, mm. which is surprising to most people. But I never would think that I would that the kid that in Poughkeepsie, a 14 year old would have an impact like that <laughs> to fighting for a human rights issue. And amazing, it huh? was, yeah, it, it's amazing. It's amazing, and it really was just like, wow, you're you're doing something. So that yeah, felt. I was I was shocked though. I was I was also shocked when I believe. Sorry if I'm going too long with my answers, too in depth. Um, but nope, go right ahead. On our inst- we made it. We broke. Um, we were one of the first groups to break the news on a student at SUNY Purchase who was assaulted for taking down a sign that says "We Stand with mm-hmm. Israel." Um, and he was unfairly discriminated because of um, his support for Palestine as well as his race as well as he was an African-American mm. student. So I think we got something like, we got 1,250 likes and about 8,000 views, like clicks on the uh. post. And that's when I was like, wow, mm-hmm. um, I would have never imagined this. And yeah, that mm. was when I was like, oh my God, this is, it felt surreal. But Sort of yeah. thought, sort of pushed you to to think bigger than you had thought before, huh? Yeah, that absolutely. you could interest that many people. Yeah, absolutely. here's a here's a political question. Um, a lot of us, uh, you and I, and, and a number of groups, uh, are pushing for a ceasefire uh, yeah. in Gaza. But our representative, well, Pat Ryan, I think he's your representative too. You know, yeah, he, he just uh, he won't. He won't. He doesn't want to talk about a ceasefire, and uh, you know, I'm wondering. We see survey after survey that says that uh, two thirds of Americans want a ceasefire, especially Democrats. Pat yeah. Ryan is a Democrat. Uh, yeah. Huge numbers want a ceasefire. What's What's wrong with people like Pat Ryan or our own president? You know that he can't call a ceasefire when you've already killed, you know, um, t- uh, just amazing number, 12,000 uh, st- uh, children and uh, 24,000, uh, you know, adults. How is it that our leaders are resisting what the pu- the public wants? I think that something that's on really disgusting and unfortunate is that I don't think our leaders are seeing the humanity in Palestine. I think our leaders think that the Muslim and the Arab world are barbaric societies that and uh-huh. that we don't that we um don't resemble at all. Whereas in the Ukraine war they see a society like Ukraine and it's like, oh wow, they're just like us. Um not that Ukraine, oh. Ukraine absolutely needs our support and aid because they are also going through a very tough time with being oppressed by Russia. But it's very unfortunate where you think about Yemen, Palestine, Sudan, Somalia, Afghanistan, and we just see these ongoing, this ongoing genocide 
and death of people, specifically in Palestine, most currently. And the, of mm. course, I forgot the DRC as well, um, currently in the Congo. And we just think, oh, wow, um, we can just keep funding this genocide because we're killing terrorists. And it seems like the U.S., the Pat Ryan has decided that the people in Gaza are terrorists and he's eliminating a threat when he is really just eliminating mm. innocent people's lives who are dying just because they want to stay and that because they're forced to stay in this in this city of Gaza and the state, the strip of Gaza. So it's really sad mm. because I think that Palestine is an issue that has been going on for 76 years, This which will 76 years as of this spring. We are seeing this ongoing genocide and the public has been pushing for a ceasefire, a ceasefire to end the death of innocent children and mothers sure. and fathers watching their children being blown to bits. So yeah. I believe that possibly um, Pat Ryan might not be pushing for a ceasefire because he thinks he'll be more popular if he doesn't, or he is just ignorant to the Palestinian humanity and people. But I'm glad to announce that tomorrow, there at 6.30 p.m., at the C at the um, Poughkeepsie City Hall, there will be a Poughkeepsie ceasefire resolution meeting. I will be there speaking. Um, and oh, great! I'll be there myself. So I'll see you there. Yes, that would be. <laughs> yes, um, but I hopefully there. I would want to ask Pat Ryan if he sees me and he sees these other children in Poughkeepsie. If he could imagine that we were the ones dying, that we were the ones being starved, genocided, would he not want to cease fire, even if even if a few misguided individuals in our community did some made some terrible actions? That does not give that does not give the Israeli government the right to decide to genocide the Palestinians just because sure. of a few misguided individuals such as Hamas. Yeah, nobody has that right, right? I mean, yes, yes. Uh, there's nobody that has a right for genocide that's, you know, beyond the limits of uh, human reactions. And to have somebody like Pat Ryan uh, continually, he talks about his own children, uh, how important they are to him, and but he never makes a connection between the the children murdered in Gaza. It's it's almost like something's wrong with him. But what what's wrong with him is what's wrong with Congress and the president, uh, they all have yes. um, maybe empire on their mind or maybe they're paid a lot. You know, I don't know if you know this, but open secrets, Biden has received over $4 million in his career from the Israel lobby. I mean, these people are paid well for these votes. So maybe it's as simple as who pays you, you know, but uh, Biden um, has we're getting down. Toward... Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, but Biden has even been quoted saying, um, even if there wasn't an Israel, the U.S. would need an Israel. And oh, that's something. That really asks us to, that really begs the question, are we just investing in the genocide of an innocent people because we believe that the nation genociding them and the army genociding them benefits us? Yeah that we want our influence mm -hmm. in the Middle East. And I think it really comes yeah. down to the U.S. has been, as a Middle Eastern and South Asian person, the U.S. has been 
interfering in my home region, including my mother's country of Pakistan, um, have been has bombed Pakistan um, multiple times. Um, but the U.S. is in has been interfering in our region um, for many years, and mm. I believe it's because not it's because of the resources we have, such as oil, among other things. That and they also want control of our they want control of our governments and our people. And that's really saddening to see because I've seen people like me be dehumanized with the shooting of those three boys in Vermont. I thought, wow, that yeah. could have just been me. That man could have yeah. not seen me as a human. Anyone in Pakistan could just not see me as a human and just open fire on me. And that's a really sad thing to think about that at 14 years old or 21 yeah. years old, 22 years old, like those sure. boys. You could lose your life for wearing yeah. Palestinian kefia for being a Muslim or an Arab or a Palestinian in this world. So, yeah. Well, we're just about out of time. One last question. Um, there's a lot of old leftists who are, you know, still around after the 1960s. Uh, do you organize with them? And uh, uh, do you talk to them about uh you know, what the 1960s and the Vietnam War and how they opposed the war. Is that something that you are, are uh, made aware of that, you know, there's old leftists who are just thrilled that there's a new generation coming along? Um, definitely. I don't, um, to be completely honest, I haven't met, unfortunately, that many. Um, as the organizing mm -hmm. is relatively new, but I've met quite a few people, um, older elderly people from Manhattan Valley, um, Democratic Socialists of America, and they have um, uh, felt that, and they have yeah. really been very kind to me in saying that well, this is great to see a young person taking, um, oh, yeah, yeah, this taking like fighting for Palestinian rights and fighting for peace, and. I see that with these other le with these leftists as well, um, older leftists, as I consider myself a leftist mm. as well. Um, that Great. it doesn't matter about age; it's about humanity and how you yeah. view people and the empathy you will have for other people. So these yeah. these people, um, they've been fighting for this for so long, and it's unfortunate that for some of these people there's a strong possibility that they might not see a free Palestine in their lifetime. Mm. Honestly, I don't know yeah, if I'll see yep. a free Palestine in my lifetime. Yeah. But I think what we can all continue to work on is making sure we will see a free Palestine and a safe space for where the, both the Jews and the Arabs can reside. And we can make sure that we are the ones to continue um, to work for and care about the Palestinian people and that we Will be the people who will eventually who will be the be who will eventually help build the foundation for a free Palestine. Yeah. Well, Rahul, thank you so much for being on Act Activist Radio, and other people thank must so thank for you for it too. Thanks for your activism. You know, I think you're an inspiration, uh, and I think you'll thank be you an so inspiration much. to your age group too. It's uh, it's so exciting and. You know, I, I remember times uh, when the, the, the high schools walked out uh, during the Vietnam War, and that, that was very exciting for me as well. So thank you so much for being on Activist Radio. Thank you today. so much for having me. Great to see you. Okay. You. Bye now. All right, that was 
Rahul Kumar, high school activist and founder of the Poughkeepsie for Palestine. And we talked today about uh, his generation organizing rallies and public speakouts against the genocide in Gaza. So I look forward to working with Rahul and uh, appreciate his organizational skills. Activist Radio can be heard Thursdays 5 to 6 p.m. on WVKR 91.3 FM at Vassar College in Poughkeepsie, New York. Sundays 4 to 5 p.m. on WIOF 104.1 FM in Woodstock, New York. And Sundays 5 to 6 p.m. from the Progressive Radio Network PRN.FM. Past shows can be heard on ClassWars.org. Please like our Facebook page, read our Class Wars blog for commentary on today's interview. We'll be here next week at the same time to help you become part of the resistance.